0: They would make magic candles while you wait. Yeah, it was like this witchcraft shop, I think somewhere in the East Village in in New York City. And, uh, yeah, they had magic candles. So you needed a particular magic spell, I suppose, if you had some goal in mind. Like making more money or attracting the love of your life or whatever it may be. They had these different gods and goddesses that they could sort of inscribe the symbols I guess they would sort of carve these magic symbols in. I think sometimes they added glitter and all sorts of stuff and they but it was like a real it was like not like a gag. It was like they as far you know, they were Sincere. They believed they were witches and were creating these magic handles for you. This was back uh when I was in film school in the eighties. And I had my uh, introduction to video class. It was called SNS Video. Yeah, sight and sound video. It was like the introduction to video, and they had Video cameras you could use and take out on location, and uh, I remember my teacher. Her name was Joan Jubala. <laughs> Whatever happened to her, I don't know. This was what it would have been like '87, yeah, fall '87, I think. It's a long time ago now. It's 2024 now. In case you're listening out of context, heck of a long time. Not quite 40 years, no, no not not quite. Well. 30-something. Anyway, yeah, so I guess I must have... I don't really remember exactly where this was. I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say... Somewhere over... I don't know. Broom Street and, like, Avenue A. It's probably not like that. What the hell's going on over here? There's a truck driving onto the train tracks where I want to cross over. Which was the show art last time, actually. Yeah. Hmm, that's weird. I guess it's okay. Okay. If I cross over to. But anyway, yeah, so uh, I don't know. I guess I have the video. I still have the video. That's the thing. So I guess I must have gone to the store a few times. I mean, I was definitely interested in that kind of supernatural stuff. So I would go to those stores. I mean, this was 87. This, this was sort of the, a year after I had a very curious... Experience at my previous college because I transferred to NYU Film School from Drew University in Madison, New Jersey where in 1986 I had a uh, seemingly a, a, an occult experience at college though of course I can't really say what really happened. Not th- I, I don't know what really happened. I, I, that's why I can't say. I'm not trying to keep a secret or anything. I just, uh, It seemed that I... Ooh, what are they doing over there? <laughs> there's there's one of these construction vehicles, like one of those front end loaders, and a dump truck, and we're doing all sorts. Of, there's some large rocks over there. Maybe they're doing something with the rocks. That's interesting because I'm going to be talking about that movie Rock Odyssey later. There's some actual rocks here. Anyway, um, yeah. So it would have. I mean, I was always sort of interested in the supernatural, but I don't know exactly. I, I never really joined any particular group or really knew that many other people that were into stuff. I mean, there were some people that kind of were interested in it, like this guy Andrew I went to college with. He sort of was along for this uh, weird journey where it seemed that the college, and and there was a lot of rumors and records that there had been a lot of supernatural research, psychic research at this college, that there was something going on there, and that it seemed like there was a uh, the story that I sort of, Came to understand was that the college sat on top of sort of a natural, supernatural wellspring, a ley line, so to speak, and that there were these groups competing to like own its own the uh, wellspring, uh, like kind of like uh, you know, like if there's an oil well and there's these groups fighting over who's gonna who's gonna own it. This was like a magic well, and there were groups fighting over that. So somehow. This war had already been raging by the time I went to college there, and being somewhat se- sensitive to such things, I feel like I kind of got uh, drawn into it. that it, That's what it seemed like, but I think you could also say that I was, uh, you know, usually pretty open talking about my different theories of the supernatural, and I think that it would have been the natural inclination of fellow classmates to kind of to have fun, to kind of egg me on. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I saw something supernatural, yeah. Like, and I think it was that kind of reinforcement that probably, if you want to use Occam's razor, which is a technique that says the simplest explanation is usually the correct explanation. Not always. But it was probably kind of a, me sort of going on a flight of fancy being egged on by other people. You know what I mean? I understand that. And I think that is probably the most likely explanation, though there could be other explanations. There could have been something going on. I don't know. But anyway, that sort of... I had sort of had this experience, and so I was naturally sort of interested in it. But I never really... Like, I went to these witchcraft stores, New Age shops, all these different kinds... Like, there was a great place called Gemstone on Waverly by Broadway. I went there. I actually went to a couple... Like, I went to... Uh, they had this author, Paul Williams the other Paul Williams, not the Paul Williams of, uh, from Phantom of the Paradise But I remember talking to him he wrote a book called Das Energy he also started Crawdad, the rock magazine and I think uh, what's his name, Anthony Michael Hall showed up for one of <laughs> one of these uh, sessions I guess he was into the supernatural, I don't know you know, from Breakfast Club I think it, he may have been on Saturday Night Live for one season too, around that time and the woman that worked at the store, I'm like, did you see? That was Anthony Michael Hall, and she's like, I do not see faces. I only see auras. <laughs> That's awesome. That really happened. Like, it like that almost seems like something that would be like, in, you know, sort of in a parody of a of a New Age shop, <laughs> but it actually happened to me. Well, assuming that my whole existence isn't some sort of parody, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So I went to the shop. It was like. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna. I, I have. I'm gonna. I haven't really watched it properly, the, the witchcraft shop. But it, it was essentially this woman who was a witch uh, making a magic candle for me. And I think she chose. I remember this like a goddess named Oshun. I forget exactly, but, she, but the whole video is her making the candle and like casting spells and stuff. It's kind of interesting. I really should do something with that at some point. Um, but yeah, I used to go to those kind of stores a lot. Of course, there was a great one called Star Magic. They had a few locations that was it was a gift shop, but it tended you know it had tarot cards, holograms, and uh, various different things, crystals, probably some incense you know but it was more than supernatural but you know it's just something that interest, interested me at the time it 's weird i didn 't get sucked into some kind of cult or something because I was looking for that stuff, but i never really never joined anything really no nothing anyway, one of these uh, I guess at one of these shops I got a, a tarot deck I think it was called The Secret Takini Oracle and it was cool because it was like photo montage technique the cards and it was more an oracle than a tarot deck because it they just made up their own card titles I remember one of them and I may still have this deck I may still have it one of them was called Pearls Before Swine right uh, and it showed a pig sort of smiling with all these pearls and gems in front of it and uh I think that's a quote from the Bible. It's sort of pearls before swine is, is a turn of phrase that has been used to describe um, people being presented with something truly valuable, but they're not sophisticated enough to understand it. It's like pearls before swine. So I remember uh, another year that felt somewhat supernatural, though in different ways, was uh, 2009. And I know it's weird because my big number is 209. This is 2009. (laughs) You're seeing an extra zero in the middle. And uh, for me, that year was dominated by a a radio station called WFMU in Jersey City, New Jersey. And uh, still remains a very puzzling sequence of events. Though, as it, it feels like it was very unlikely, and there were feels like there were some other. Factor involved that I don't actually understand or know, but um, anyway, in 2008, uh, I started a show called The Rampler, that I was recording walking around New York City, and then I, I eventually kind of put this show, The Overnightscape, on pause, and I got caught up in this this guy Steve from Indianapolis. Had a major effort going on to perpetuate the idea that the comedian Andy Kaufman hadn't actually died in 1984, but actually was still alive. And so he found me on Twitter. I was a very fairly heavy Twitter user back then, and uh, <coughs> I, uh, I I got all involved with this thing, including he set up a press conference in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and. I hosted the press conference and there were these people there including Chris Gethard who went on to be a kind of a famous TV comedy star (laughs) and uh, this guy Bryce from WFMU and of course Manny the Mailman was there. Rule from the Netherlands almost went there but he he couldn't make it that day. He he was there the day before with us. But anyway, um, so somehow as a result of that, this guy Bryce told Ken, who is the guy who runs WFMU, uh, about me, and then somehow he's, he's he started emailing me. Oh, f- we really want you to come on WFMU. This is the part. This is the part that I don't really quite understand. Like, why would he care? What would you know? But I s- worked my ass off developing a show called uh, The Rampler. They eventually wanted to. They originally wanted to call it The Overnightscape, but. Uh, I, at that point, I kind of was more into the Rampler. <clears throat> so I, I uh, worked my ass off, th- did some fill-in shows in, 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 the su- in the winter and the spring, and then come summer, they gave me a, a time slot. It was um, past midnight, Friday night, so it's Saturday morning, 2 to 6 a.m. And I did those shows without fail. I did huge amounts of preparation. I had a show bag where I'd bring all this stuff, and you can listen to those shows. They're on the archive. The only thing edited out, of course is any commercial music I played, which you can play on the air, but you c- you can 't legally distribute it as an m p3 um, and then they uh they basically uh fired me they kicked me off you really can 't fire someone if they're, if it's a volunteer thing you don't make any money. you have to do work for them remember i ha- i had I had to sweep up the whole studio area every night um, yeah they uh they kicked me off i guess uh I guess they weren't digging my show. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so that's when I thought of the Pearls Before Swine thing. I'm like, "Listen, I think I'm really bringing something pretty unique and interesting to this WFMU." I mean, they, you know, you know this whole idea of uh, modern modern art or contemporary art where people throw like towels on the ground. "Oh my god, it's art." Someone buys a canvas that's blank. "Oh, it would be even better if I don't do anything to it. It's a blank canvas." You know, you know that BS art. But there's a musical equivalent, which is sort of, like, modern... I don't know if they call it modern music or whatever, but it's basically music that's just sort of, like, you hear, like, <laughs> for, like, 20 minutes, and that's, like, art, arty music. It's not as popular, but, you know... But that's what people used to play on WFM. It's, like, this sort of non-music. And So so when I met with Ken after he, 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 he canceled my show, he, he turned on his monitor for the radio, and it was, like, going, oh, like... He's like, this is what people like to hear. I'm not a show like yours where you're talking about stuff. You want, you know, people just want to hear. <laughs> for 20 minutes. I'm like, okay. Um, so it brought to mind that card, Pearls Before Swine. I, I brought this, I brought this uh, great show to them. And they're like these, 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 at that time they were still hipsters. Hipsters still existed back then. The, hip, the whole hipster thing apparently didn't collapse until around 2017 or so I, I, I read. I called them, like, hipster scum. I was angry. And also, like, there were a lot of people who... They had to, like, uh, volunteer at the station, but not to be on air. To do menial tasks for, like, decades before they might get a chance to do a show. So they were very bitter towards me having gotten a show immediately. They they, they, They were envious or jealous. I know those two words have slightly different meanings. I don't know which one applies here. Anyway, I'm like pearls before swine. So I... I found out I was canceled, but I still had a few more shows to do. So I did I did complete the run of shows profe- as a professional. Well, not being paid. I guess I wasn't a professional. But you know what I'm saying. And uh, so I'm like, uh, you know, this really is a pearls before swine situation. I, I know that's kind of arrogant to say that my stuff is so great. And they, they're they swine, hipster swines that can't understand the greatness of my work. But anyway, um, so I, I found it. An anagram of Pearls Before a Swine was Sleepwear Bonfires, which I thought was so great. And I was going to name, I think, the last episode. And I should have. I should have done it. I should have named the last episode. Uh, I think the last episode was called Night in Motion. But it should have been Sleepwear Bonfires. But I, at the time, I sort of felt like it would, if they figured it out, it would be too insulting. And at the time, I, I, I hadn't written off any future with them. I, I, I left the door open. In that meeting with Ken, I could do fill-in shows, whatever, but of course he never called me. He didn't want me on there. But anyway, um, I should have just named it Sleepwear Bonfires, because it's a, an anagram for pearls before swine. Um, <clears throat> but somehow I, 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 w- I didn't want to insult them. That is a very oblique, very oblique insult, right? I mean, uh, they first had, I mean obviously I would have talked about it on this show. But anyway, I, I named one of my regular episodes Sleepwear Bonfires. Around that same time. <laughs> and I imagine these people... He's like, the one thing... Don't, don't have your fans call the station and try to get you back. Don't, don't. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. What do you want? As if I have this army of fans. The Overnight Escape Army, yeah! The Rampler Army! <laughs> no, I don't really have that. There are a few people here and there, but... Anyway. It's interesting, though, also, uh, in the... Uh, I, I, I preserved... There was a chat room while the show was on, and, and I preserved all those chats in... Uh, locally on uh, that vault. If you go to channel 202, there's this zip file, and it has those transcripts of the show. And that's one thing they said. I, I was catering to a, to a small audience. I wasn't being as universal as they would like, which may have been true. I don't know. But I always liked that sleepwear bonfires. It was such a great... And I sort of imagined the fans of the show burning their pajamas and... Remember, what were those nightcaps, those little hats people used to wear to bed in all the old movies and cartoons? Yeah, people used to have to wear a hat to bed. It's like, well, I'm going to bed. Let me put on this funny-looking hat. The past was weird, okay? People were, people were kind of strange in the past, right? <laughs> I don't know why. I, mean, I guess it was, like, super cold. I guess people didn't have, like, heating systems in their house. It was, like, freezing. So you needed to wear, like, a hat to go to bed because otherwise your head would be real cold. <laughs> I don't know. But I imagine people like having this big protest bonfire of like pajamas and nightcaps and various sleepwear to protest my show being canceled. And meanwhile, it was an anagram of pearls before swine, yes. Anyway, yeah, I'm here at my bus stop going in once again to New York City. Can you believe two episodes in a row going into New York City? It's amazing. It's amazing. I do, I do technically work in New York City, but I mostly work from home. But I'm trying to go in more anyway. You know what's weird? If you remember a couple episodes ago, I started the episode I found this little miniature $100 bill on my lawn. Remember that whole thing? What is this person doing driving backwards? What are they trying to achieve? What are they doing? What the hell? They're driving up on the sidewalk? What is going on? These people in in a a Mazda CX-7 What are they doing? They're very confused these Mazda people Mazda is the name of God in, in, in a certain religion. <laughs> is it Zoroastrianism, maybe? Yeah. W- w- one of the more obscure world religions, but... Mazda, or is it Ahura Mazda? I wonder if you could have gotten a Mazda candle, you know, for the god Mazda. Um, but, like, for your car to run better as kind of a joke, but I don't know. Do, do, can witches make joke candles? That sounds kind of dangerous if it's real magic. But anyway, remember I saw these $100 bills? I saw a $100 little miniature $100 bill, probably from some kid's playset on my lawn. And now there's a ton of them. They're all over the place. All these little miniature $100 bills scattered across my lawn, my neighbor's lawn. What the hell happened? I can just imagine some kid with play money realizing the futility of the capitalist system, just throwing it all up in the air. No, there must be a better way. Ah! just throwing all the money dramatically in the air and getting caught in the breeze and little miniature hundred dollar bills flying away you know (laughs) could happen yeah but yeah I'm uh, heading in you know it's interesting we had the exit ramp on on Saturday you know that's our group show another, another great turnout thanks everyone who showed up for the exit ramp you can hear it all the exit ramps in the archive um, and uh, Dave in Kentucky, who uh, brought back the Overnight Scape Central, which is uh, amazing. Thank you, Dave. Uh, he was wearing a shirt about genetic engineering. And my bus is coming. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll continue this when we We're here. New York City. Rather uneventful bus ride. Yeah, what I was saying... uh, Yeah, Dave had this Anunnaki t-shirt... Saying, like, genetic experiment in progress, something like that. Um, You know, Dave has a series here on the channel called Sermons... Which uh, views uh, the Bible, Genesis and on in the Old Testament... From the perspective that um, it's a race of beings... That are conducting uh, experiments or creating humans through gen- genetic experimentation and then observing them, interacting with them as a way of interpreting the Bible, right, as a series of events that are not involving the supernatural per se, but technology, right? So, the very beginning of the Bible where it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Apparently, in the original version, they called the God Elohim, which is plural which means those that come from the sky so the idea is that the word God in the context, in this context would mean a race of beings, also known as the Anunnaki, because this was the name of the race of beings in the Sumerian mythology, in what's now Iraq and uh, the story um of being created by and interacting with a race of humanoids that are clearly larger and have a greater technologies and capacities, more intelligent, longer lifespan, bigger, you know, 10, 15 feet tall. This uh, story repeats itself throughout the entire world history, right? From all corners of the globe stories, mythologies, legends of what are known as small-g gods, right um, individual humanoid beings who, have, uh, who interact with humanity in different ways, right? And I think this overall interpretation of the world is certainly not very well represented in our discourse of world origins, human origins, etc., we have, uh, in, popu- in, in, in popular circles, you have the scientific explanation. And we were talking about this a lot in the excerpt, Ram. You know, you know the Big Bang, evolution, all that. And then you have the monotheistic religions talking about very vague uh, scriptures which talk about humanity being created by one... All good God, and yet bad things happen, whatever, all that stuff. But this middle ground, which is more... What we're talking about here is not any kind of ultimate answer to where did reality come from, where did mind come from, consciousness. simply looking at the record of things that had been... information that's been preserved from a long time ago. And... It tells a story of how this situation got started here on this planet. That humans were created not from whole cloth, but as a genetic variation. And in some views, actually, we're a genetically modified version of the Anunnaki. Now, this is, of course, as opposed to the Anasazi, which is a very similar name, but that was an actual a tribe of uh, Native Americans, and the American Southwest who lived like in on the hillsides and then vanished at one point and I think that's the one where they there were legends of them being in conflict with a race of giants maybe again the Anunnaki who were on earth at that time and I, I was telling I was mentioning to Dave that on the last episode when I uh was talking about that epic song, Eagle Mall Suite by Robert Hunter. In the beginning, they talk about John Silver, who was an, an ancient giant from the dawn of time. He was actually an Anunnaki type of being, but Dave said he, he had heard the show, but he just assumed that it was Long John Silver, the pirate, arrr, you know? It's a completely different John Silver, but he's like this ancient giant. So an Anunnaki... And uh, so I just find it interesting that this this explanation that this is not going to explain everything, but it explains our situation that what's going on here is the result of um, a race of advanced beings doing a bunch of stuff. And my view my one of my personal theories on this matter can help explain it because there's one thing that is very puzzling right? if God is real why has God uh, retreated why does God not make itself known to us directly as it certainly could why are we living uh, in, in a world where God has no direct presence and this theory explains that The idea is that humanity was created initially, perhaps in secret, by a small group of Anunnaki, um, using genetic engineering for a particular purpose, and some of the thoughts are as a kind of a worker race that could be uh, placed in deep dimensions, worlds that were very inaccessible and then be able to independently uh, do work, build infrastructure, do mining, etc. And it, right, the fast reproduction rate, short lifespan, and ability to be told what to do, right, be programmable at some level, made them good workers. Now, of course you would have to view this as being rather objectionable, as a cruel ex- types of experimentation. And so the idea is that as the larger Anunnaki society became aware of this, they of course viewed it as a terrible thing, and this needs to stop, and we need to put these poor creatures out of their misery, and let's just move, move on past this terrible incident. But some Anunnaki wanted to preserve humanity. They saw something in them that was worthwhile. And this is where we get the the flood myths, which, by the way, the Sumerian tablets, which contain a flood myth nearly identical to the Bible's Noah's Ark, predates the writing of the Bible by a couple thousand years. This story of when the larger society finds out, they're like, no, this is wrong. But I think the essential... the essential uh, concept here is that an Anunnaki was able to um, enter into a human, become a human, live life through a human's eyes, right? It is. I get it. I get it. I imagine the Anunnaki would... Enter some sort of a a pod and put some sort of s- headset on, almost like a virtual reality. But they're actually just remotely operating a human, perhaps from the, from the entire lifespan. Brings to mind the movie Avatar. Right? The humans are going into these pods and actually operating these blue giants, right? Which seems to be almost the opposite. Sometimes some people do say that there's one group of Anunnaki who do have that blue skin so Avatar is almost telling the same story but in reverse so being so the idea was you would enter the human and then through some mechanism um, be able to temporarily block out your knowledge that you were an Anunnaki and you just thought you were a human right And it's this experience that it's aesthetic quality, right? Being uh, an extremely modified form of Anunnaki, the type of experience you could have in that form was unique, valuable, right? The idea that being an Anunnaki in day-to-day, you're essentially immortal, thousands of years old, and living a very advanced life of mind and spirit and art, etc. But this diminished form of Anunnaki, the human, provided life experiences that were uh, vastly different, and yet compelling, interesting, satisfying, important. And then this would have been the... This is all just my theory. This would have been the reason to preserve humanity. It certainly... Humanity didn't have any particular importance beyond whatever this initial schemes hatched, uh, had them doing. But this... This factor of the aesthetic, of the art of it, was, I think, championed by a subgroup of Anunnaki who said, no, there is something... There's something here, right? To live a life as a human being uh, is a different kind of experience, but distantly related, since we are related to them. And then, so the idea was, we want to preserve the human beings. And of course, you could imagine humans living amongst Anunnaki's. Humans being 5, 6 feet tall, Anunnaki's being 12 17 feet tall something like that so we would be like the little hobbits you know from the Tolkien mythologies the Lord of the Rings books we would have been the hobbits but they so they would find that to be human and and live amongst Anunnaki you are constantly annoyed at being the runt at being small at being less than it ruins the experience. Especially if you the information is readily available that well, you're just an Anunnaki that has projected its consciousness inside a human, and you're there then amongst Anunnaki, you're like, well, F this. I want to just go back to being an Anunnaki. This sucks being human. I don't want to be small and less than. So I think it was conceived that a place had to be built just for humans and moved them all in there. (coughs) And and perhaps that place was there early on. But clearly, Anunnaki and humans were cohabitating that space. If you were to take the uh, ancient writings to heart, that same story that I'm saying all around the world, the story of the relationship between the big people and the little people, that this also was... Diminishing, it was taking away from the experience. The idea was that, listen, at some point we have to uh, remove any information that there are Anunnaki and that humans were created by them. We want to create a world that's a pure human experience, where the humans there believe that they are the top life form, because it will, it is so vital to their their mood, the narrative of their lives, etc., that they not be the runs, that they not be little they need to feel that they're the big ones so first at some point, the Anunnaki have to physically remove themselves leave this place, not be here at all and then, perhaps harder you have to give the people an explanation, well how the hell did we get here if we weren't created by some higher beings and that is where the science stuff comes in Science has woven this magic spell, in a way, of complex theories, of a big bang, evolution, and a plausible explanation as to how we could have gotten here without any gods, higher beings, aliens, what have you. A plausible explanation of an undirected process... Which resulted in this world. That's exactly. That's perfect. That's exactly what we need, right? To even though there were humans that were living amongst the Anunnaki, but their lifespan is short, and as generation after generation is born, dies, and born and dies, those those that that information passed on, it, it, it becomes legend. It becomes questioned as. Is that real information, or people just making that shit up, you know? And uh, the religions which describe these things were made to be deliberately vague, going from polytheistic to monotheistic, right? The, the group of beings is now sort of melded into this one big being, God, monotheistic, and the specifics are very... There's no specifics. It's all just very vague. And people doubt it because it's so vague. And they don't have any personal information. And God has retreated. For a reason, as I'm stating. And so... Uh, that's where we are today, right? Where we there is this plausible explanation, which I admit is somewhat reasonable to say this all could have come about in an undirected fashion, and yet the deeper purpose of it is that we can live lives as human beings to our full aesthetic potential. Yes, it means that this world is an art project. It's for entertainment purposes. It's important only in that way. Though, that's really important. (laughs) aesthetics is really important Experi- the experiential is really important so as we were talking about uh the for example the two big ones big bang and uh, evolution so like big bang where did the universe come from well all of the universe exploded from a single point in space 14 billion years ago great what happened before that uh there's a quantum foam quantum foam. You ever notice when anyone doesn't know, they they use, uh, it's quantum. (laughs) Somehow, like in science fiction, how did that work? Oh, it was a quantum computer. Uh, So yeah, so that one, and then of course we know the origin of species, Charles Darwin, the theory of evolution. And uh, this provided a again, a plausible explanation that everyone, no matter how religious they may be, knows about and thinks about and cannot be sure. Maybe they believe wholeheartedly in God, but at some level, yeah, but there's this other explanation that we're the only ones. We're the big kahuna, the big muck muckamuck in this situation. Now the issue is is that science as it is has been advancing over the decades, and these these theories are being thrown into question. As we know, the uh, the Webb Telescope recently made observations that throw some of the uh, the models of the early universe and the Big Bang into question. And perhaps even more pronounced and less commonly known in the field of biology, uh, so many. there's been so many advancements that really do um, throw the theory of evolution or what became known as neo-Darwinism into uh, casting great questions about and, and showing deficiencies in the theory but in a popular sense that is as the person on the street knows evolution is treated as a fact that is unquestionable and uh, even though as further experimentation is happening it's showing that this theory is less and less likely to have actually ta- been, been the ex- to be the explanation so there, right? what is the motivation of the powerful people to continue to push these ideas and I would say right, exactly for the reason I stated it that for the real truth to come out would kind of ruin this setup that we have here. Now, of course, that doesn't mean I, I find the uh, intellectual bullying uh, uh, on this matter, where people are called names if they even dare to question this orthodoxy of evolution, I find it maddening, and it, makes, it, it sort of makes you angry that these people are so arrogant and so abusive towards other people that are asking legitimate int- intellectual, philosophical questions and being, oh, you're an idiot, you're dumb. What are you, a religious nut? You know, I find that to be, uh, <laughs> it makes it's angering, it's upsetting. Even if it's potentially, and again, who knows if any, what if the reality of any of this stuff, even if, it, if, even if it is for a justifiable purpose, it does seem... Re- in, Rather bad form to uh, close down all questioning, especially since it is the, it is sci- scientific to continually update and change theories as new information is available. Let's see word of the day: canorous, melodious. Oh, it changed. Hot local eats, French classics done well. Could be Le crocodile's motto. Standouts include the leeks vinaigrette, escargot. And steak frites what? <coughs> I, like, I like the little video screen on the elevator yeah I found a, a new uh, vegan lunch place down the street Lex and 41st called Orange Orange looks so like it could be interesting we'll go check that out Canaris. Interesting. Of course, there are other vegan places here, but... I don't know, I had... I don't know, I... I I didn't think they were great, but... uh, Beggars can't be choosers now, can they? Le botaniste. I don't know, this place just kind of annoys me. It has kind of a pompous vibe. But... Listen, it's vegan. I should... I should welcome it. I should give them a break. I should give them some slack. Then there's this uh, plant burger over here, which... uh, was okay. Again, two vegan places right by where I work. I shouldn't be complaining. But I am. What do you want? Complaining is... is the stuff of life. Yes. To complain. Yeah. So yeah, that whole theory and everything is sort of like... right at some level you can say I guess it really all depends on your perspective on this whole thing. Is everyone here a volunteer, voluntary Anunnaki plugged into the system? What about all the horrible stuff that goes on in this world? Is is it justified as being a form of entertainment? Are the people undergoing the worst of it uh, non-player characters or somehow unreal? It's a lot of questions, a lot of questions on this whole matter, so I don't know. Obviously, chances are my theory is completely inaccurate, so we don't have to worry about it now, do we? No. But on the off chance that it, there is, it is accurate, it, it does raise a lot of uh, questions. New York State licensed cannabis experience coming soon. That that used to be a Nat Sherman Cigars. Never my favorite cigar store, but always got weird vibes in that place. Now it's gone. Completely shut down. Not just that location. The entire business is kaput. So where is this place? Lexington and 41st. Okay. About cannabis, I'm smelling some uh, some weed. I wonder if I have time. I think I should have time to have a cigarillo here. <laughs> Who are all these people? There's like a million people walking in the opposite direction. But it's like there's a left and right portion of the scaffolding, and they're just they're on the wrong side. If you're keeping, to, if you want to keep to the right, you know what I mean. Bluestone Lane Coffee, the dreamy coconut cocoa. Yes. Santander Bank. There's no blue Blue Lane Coffee and Santander Bank back in the day. These are all like new businesses. But it happens, there's a lot of new businesses. What do you want? You walk past Grand Central. <laughs> to orange orange well at least they found some way to rhyme orange orange rhymes with orange orange orange
1: remember
0: there was that place it was like the orange bank cafe it was over by where I worked I think in 2004 <coughs> there was a new thing it was like orange but it was like a, an exclusively on online bank but they had a, a real world location where there was a little cafe very obscure <laughs> it's like it's a bank but it's not a bank but it's online but it's a cafe it's all these things and it was called Orange nice. Orange like in Boards of Canada Cool view of Grand Central with God. Look, there's Anunnaki up there, Mercury, the God. Yes, and of course, the uh, classic Chrysler building that art deco masterpiece. Here's the Mitzvah tank, Shabbat Lubavitch. Love your fellow Jew. What is that? Lady Frankenstein? Oh, Lisa Frank. Lisa Frankenstein? Only in theaters. February 9th. Man, it's cold out here. I didn't realize how cold it was. I'm not wearing the proper... I mean, I have... I should be wearing my gloves and my hat and stuff. This is ridiculous. Maybe I'll do that right now. Sorry. What was going on there? Was I, like, on pause or something? I don't know. Anyway. Or I wasn't on pause. Yeah, let me put the hat on here. But I lost my comb. I don't know what happened to my comb. Oh, that's better. I usually carry a little comb in my pocket, and um, I, I, I lost it. So, uh... I ordered a new one. I know I have more combs, like those little black plastic combs. I know I have some more in my room, in my office, but I have no idea where it is. You know, I really need to go through my office to find like the important stuff and separate it out. So I, I it's like I can't find anything. But I did buy. Remember last time I, I was dealing with this issue, that Ace hard rubber pocket comb that was super. Uh, Common was discontinued, so I did get a new old stock one from uh, eBay. It wasn't terribly expensive, but I figured if I'm if I'm going to get one, I may as well get an Ace, sort of not, probably from the 80s or 90s or something. It's it's in a package, so it's not like someone combed their hair with it. I don't think. Hopefully not. But putting the hat on is going to make my hair... My hair is really out of control these days. I don't know why. It's just going in all directions. And uh, the hat's going to make it that much worse. And I don't even have a comb. So I'm going to look a bit bit, bit weird. But what do you want? It happens. It does happen. Now, this orange, orange place, it's... I looked on Google Maps. I could not find... There was no indication of where it was, but it's it's definitely on the corner. The uh, south-west corner of, of uh, Lex and 41st. We'll find it. We'll find it. One more more hellish siren noises. Jeez. That's, that's harsh. Yikes. Oh, wow, that big by Melissa, the company that sells those little miniature cupcakes, it's still there. It's amazing. Is that, I think that may be their main location. I don't know. Here it is, Lexington Avenue. So what would what would, Lex, <coughs> what would Lexington mean? Well, ton means town, right? So Lexington. So a town that is Lexing. So what 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 does it mean to Lex? This town is man. This town is Lexing. What does Lexing mean? This town is really hopping. This is a this is a hotbed of activity, Lexington. Now there must be some thought behind it. yeah what used to be over here I'm trying to think I don't know Oh yeah that that is that the cafe over there I used to go to Oh no I no that's Delmonico I, don't, I he didn't really go to that one as much. Alright, it should be right up here. Let's see what we got. Yeah, they have Le Pont Cotidian. Cotidion? You're not to pr- pronounce the last the last letter. So where is it though? Where is R? thinking it might be to the right here. But we won't know till we are physically there to
1: see.
0: Hmm. I do see a slightly orange colored sign, but let's see. No, maybe it's up there.
2: It could be up there.
0: The power of simplicity daily bread. Isn't that part of one of those prayers? Give us this day our daily bread, O oh Lord. Maybe that, maybe because An- Anunnaki used to like, have a bakery and they would give you bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, well, Anunnaki could cook bread. It'd probably be pretty good bread. All right, where is this place? There is this place. Is see, I, I had a feeling this is gonna happen. Where the hell is this place? Oh come on, Maki Maki. No, it's not. It's just why does this always happen? Oh, what's ketchup? A store called Ketchup, coming soon. Your best burger joint. Oh, okay. Or well, Maki Maki sushi. No, I want the Orange Orange. What do they have? They have, some, they have avocado and cucumber. I don't know. I want to find orange orange. It's got to be over here somewhere. It said 370 Lex. Hmm. Maybe it's around the corner here. Or maybe it's like inside the building in some way. Or... No. It says it's active and real. There was one picture that showed what it looked like outside the window. It may be I think it may be over here. I just missed it. <coughs> yeah, because I saw the scaffolding over here. Alright, let's go this way. Oh, that could be it. I think I found it. There it is. Orange, orange. Yes is vegetarian Asian fusion food. They really had to use the V word? Jesus. That word has no purpose anymore. It should be vegan. Vegetarian is... oh God. All right, let me see what they got. I guess I can sit down in here. All right. Well, I asked them, and it is indeed vegan. And uh, I got the Indonesia Curry Noodle Bowl. Yeah, regular or large? So I'm like, yeah, give me a large. So we'll see if it's too much food. I see some noodles, some tofu, some peas, corn, and orange slices. Fresh orange, some sort of curry vegetables. But like, well, someone else came in, but there's like no one else in here. I don't know. I don't know why they would use that that other V-word vegetarian. People normally use that for vegan food that contains dairy, you know, essentially. Eggs, honey, etc. But if you're going to go through all the trouble these days of making something vegetarian, just go all the way. Go vegan. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't stop there. We also got the Saratoga sparkling water. And this was all just a little over 20 bucks, which is uh, better than the last lunch cost me uh, $44 and I looked up, you know, that um, that uh, soju that kind of like that sake I got $18 for the bottle called Jinro is back I looked it up at, at Total Wine they sell it for $6 so they literally were charging three times the amount you can get it in a regular store in New Jersey it's insane it's up the to these prices come on All right. Let me, let me try some tofu here see how it is very hearty meal. Mmm. Ah. Good. Alright, I'm done. Just got a few drops of Saratoga water left. Across the street. I'm looking across the street, and there's a place I'm like, what is this, Puke Works? It's disgusting. What would they call it that? It was actually Pokey Works. But the U is... Obscured the O is obscured by like, scaffolding <laughs> and uh, it looks like puke works <coughs> you know pokey it's like a pokey bowl it's like a <coughs> it's like a Hawaiian thing I don't yeah. know I never really got into the poke bowl but that has nothing to do with Pokemon I don't think poke poke works no, pokey works theres that Japanese snack pokey P-O-C-K-Y, which some people would pronounce pocky. Pokey, pocky, puke, poke. Why do words that have those letters kind of get all confused? Alright, let's get out of here. Uh, okay, so, yeah, the large was too much. A regular would have been just fine. And, um, more. Yeah. As, as someone mentioned on one of the reviews online, the food is not like high quality. Like I normally think, like a usually going to the food halls and forty dollars for lunch. At least the food is pretty good, you know. Usually, this stuff I would say is more mid-range. I mean, it's like uh, not high quality. None of the ingredients seem to be particularly high quality. <coughs> Maybe the kind of quality level you might get from sort of a typical like Chinese restaurant. I haven't been to those in years because of, obviously, the vegan thing. Um, yeah, the food just wasn't that good. It's, but everything I liked everything else about the place. It's a really good place. It's just... Yeah, the food was adequate, but certainly not anything to write home about. Uh, yeah, I'm used to a higher quality... <clears throat> ...food. So... It was okay. I know. Why is all these vegan places are, like, disappointing me at some level. <coughs> what is this? Tea around town? Oh, wow. Look at this. It's a bus, and people are... It's like a restaurant on the inside, and people are drinking tea. What the hell? Tea around town? the... Wow. It's like a... It's like a tea house on wheels, as opposed to a tea house on the tracks, which is a song by... On Donald Fagan's 1993 solo album, Kamakiriad. Tea House on the Tracks. That's a good album, by the way. Kamakiriad. I think it's fallen into a a bit of obscurity these days, but it's a good album. You know, uh... Snowbound, let's sleep in today. Wake me up. When the wolves come out to play We sail our ice cats on the frozen river Some loser fires off a flare. For seven seconds it's like Christmas Eve. Then it's gone again. <clears throat> Is he ever putting out his uh he, Years ago, Donald Fagan said he's going to put out a new solo album, including a song called The Stellar Bartender, but there hasn't been any news for a couple years. I saw it. Didn't I see Steely Dan? Like last year or the year before? That was a really good show. (coughs) (coughs) Of course, Walter Becker is no longer with us. That was a good show, though. It's almost like a religious experience. Love that steely dam. All right, maybe I'll stop in Grand Central just to walk around. I haven't been in here. Remember, I used to. Fifth used Avenue. Huh? Fifth Avenue is that way. Two blocks, yeah. Yeah, I was actually able to give accurate directions. I think I was right, yeah. <laughs> I really do always want to give uh, proper directions. Oh, look! PIC is back, P I Q. Remember that place used to be called Pilon? and they used to used to be on the other side here, Grand Central. But they they brought Pick back. That's amazing. That brings, brings back memories being at Pick in Grand Central. Hello. Doing good. Uh, hmm. selection seems to have been reduced. Since the last time, they used to have like old comic books and all they used to have all sorts of weird stuff here. A Specs Memory Stress Ball? <laughs> I your love to me. <clears throat> Illuminated Apparel Glow in the Dark t shirt. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, remember they used to have vintage like paperbacks in here? Yeah, the new selection is. Bit degraded, unfortunately. Here's the Bork Street Bakery (laughs) one. B O U R K E, Bork. Isn't that what the Swedish chef, one of the more unpleasant Muppets? (laughs) Bork, Bork, Bork. Yeah, not a big fan of the Swedish chef, I'm sorry. I was getting into some Muppet stuff fairly recently, and like the Swedish chef always just annoys me. (laughs) It's like no personality. What is this store? Looks like they have some interesting stuff in here—games and stuff. Paper source. Why? Why are all the stores in here so dreamlike and vague? I, get, come on. Karma luck. <laughs> this is very dream—very dreamlike. There's the Hudson News. Remember, they were selling like uh, records, like vinyl records here for a while. No. There's someone here now. No. They closed that part off. <coughs> <Ooh. laughs> self-checkout now no, in the News. What? Oh, my God. And very, very limited magazines. Listen, it's the future. What do you want?
1: <coughs>
0: wow. Still got a few magazines. A lot of Taylor Swift magazines, of course. All right, whatever. Whatever. Sad. These stores are degenerating. It feels like I'm in a dream right now. Something doesn't feel quite right. But it always seems that way, so don't worry about it. It always seems like that. Come on. (laughs) Here's the main area. Grand Central. Cool space. Anything going on? Let's see. What does it say? Dry Feb Express. Dry Feb Express. Liars OO (coughs) pop-up. January 31st. Oh, that's tomorrow. Okay. Dry, Dry February? I thought it was dry January. Oh, lot L Y R E apostrophe S non-alcoholic. I guess there's going to be a pop-up of some sort of non-alcoholic beverages. Apparently, it's a big trend for the new generations.
1: Yeah. Let's
0: see. Swing by for the exclusive Liars pop-up for a free 0.0% cocktails on the go. Is an alcohol-free gin and tonics going dry this February in New York? Proudly supporting dryfeb.com. Benefiting American Cancer Society. Stay spirited. Make it a liars. (laughs) It almost sounds like, Hey, have a drink. And you start drinking it. Like, I'm not getting drunk. Ah, we're lying. We're liars. (laughs) We're liars. There's no alcohol in (coughs) that. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand it's a hell thing. But what do you want? Oh, I want to go look at that octagonal room. I want to see if they uh, (coughs) because they were going to put like an elevator or something down to the train station under the train station you know what I'm saying this woman has like a wedding dress on are they getting married in Grand Central it happens let me see yeah man that orange orange man it kind of brought me down I'm telling you it's kind of like not good food Uh, Yeah. Maybe I should give Le Botaniste. Maybe they're pompous, but maybe they uh, have better food. Oh, look, that's where uh, Peak or Pilon used to be. Now it's a Lululemon. Women's clothing? Ooh, the Transit Museum. (coughs) They still have the uh, train set up. (coughs) The Transit Museum. Annex. Is this octagonal room? Been kind of wondering what happened to it. Oh yeah, and I wanted to uh, t- see if that tennis place was still there. <coughs> uh oh, taste taste of New York. Remember this? Uh, they they would sell like beer and stuff. That's closed. Remember one time I tried to buy a six pack there and it was like thirty five dollars or something. And I'm like, what? Oh yeah, look at this. This is it. Damselfly flowers? Oh, I thought it said damselfly towers. <clears throat> alright, let's see. Alright, let's do this first. Alright, the octagonal room. What What? What happened? What happened? They took the corners off. It's, it's, ra- it's a square now. Oh no. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, alright. We're discovering things here. See, sometimes you have to go somewhere physically to see what's going on. I mean, the octangular room, I mean... This is a a vague corridor here, and uh, this is everyone. When I was telling people about the tennis thing, they all got thought it was this one down here, and uh, as opposed to tennis week on Forty Fourth. I should swing by Forty Fourth uh, to see if uh, tennis week is still there. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, yeah. It may be gone, the, uh, the place where they string your tennis rackets. I, I can't tell if it's just not open at the moment or if it's out of business, but it was right here in this corridor. <clears throat> I, I don't do tennis, so it's not neither here nor there. But <clears throat> I think there, wasn't there, is there like a tennis club in here somewhere, in this building somewhere? I thought there was. Somewhere. Where would they put it, though? I could have sworn there was like a tennis club in Grand Central somewhere. <clears throat> all right, let's take a look at what happened over here. This room that used to be an octagon in shape. It looks like... Uh, it, it was definitely octagonal at one point. And now it's just... it's rectangular. And uh, remember there used to be a newsstand in here? Then they shut it all down, and there are escalators going down. But where was the octagonal... situation? I'm confused. What are they apologizing for? Anyway. Oh, talking about, uh... Taylor Swift. I was watching the, um the football games uh, over the weekend you know, we were in one of those pools where you just choose random numbers and you can win money it's all based on the last digit of the score no n- no skill involved it's just completely random so it was uh what was it it was <clears throat> yeah it was uh the Kansas City Chiefs and that's the one that has the player named Kelsey that's dating Taylor Swift so you always see Taylor Swift on the screen and um they were playing the Baltimore Ravens. I, I'm assuming named after the Raven poem by Edgar Allan Poe, who was from Baltimore. <coughs> that team had been the Cincinnati, uh, the, the Cleveland Browns, right? But they moved from Cleveland to Baltimore and became the Ravens. And then the Browns were resurrected as an expansion team in Cleveland. But anyway, um, it's also a very, you know, has uh, Mahomes. It's this very winning team. Listen, I, I don't watch much football, but in the playoffs, you know, I'll watch it. So just because these guys are so good and there's a Taylor Swift, of course you want to root against them. So I really don't know much about the Ravens, but I was rooting for them. And, uh, yeah, they didn't win. The, the, uh, <coughs> the Chiefs won. Now, meanwhile, most, te- most sports teams that are named after the American Indian, They've been changing their names, like the Redskins changed their name to the Commanders. <coughs> and the Cleveland <coughs> baseball team, the Cleveland Indians, changed their name to the Cleveland Defenders, I think. But somehow, someway, the Kansas City Chiefs, because it's not quite as offensive as some of the other ones, I don't think they ever had sort of a, an offensive cartoon Indian as part of their visuals, But anyway, somehow they're getting away with it. Are are they going to, once this mania dies down, are they going to be able to keep their team name? I don't know. Anyway, so yes, Chiefs won. So then on the other side, uh, it was um, the Lions, Detroit Lions versus San Francisco 49ers. And um, I was really rooting for the Lions because they're the underdog. They've never been to a Super Bowl, even though the team has been uh, around since like the 1950s or, or earlier. Super Bowl started in 69, maybe, or 67, something like that. Anyway, so I was rooting for them, and uh, they were up, like, 17 points by the half. And it's, like, amazing. They're finally going to make it. I feel good for the people of Detroit. Then the second half was just a bloodbath. The the 49ers just crushed them. And, uh, and at the very end, right, so I needed, okay, I needed, what was it? I needed... Uh, the 49ers to have, like, a 1 at the end of the score, and the... or No, the 49ers, I needed to have a 4 at the end, and then I needed the Lions to have a 1 at the end. And they were down by 10 with, like, a minute left. And they scored I Like, if they score a touchdown... uh, If they score a touchdown, I'm going to win! And they did. I'm like, oh, my God. And then they were doing the onside kick, which is very rare, rarely works. And I'm like... If, if, they, if somehow, some way, they do the onside kick and, and get a field goal, I'll lose, but they'll win. So I'm like, either way, it'll be okay. But anyway, they got the touchdown, and then they—what uh, are these noises? Um, so, um, yeah, I wound up winning. I got the right numbers. I won quite a bit of money in the pool. So even though the team I was rooting for lost, I won. I won money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> NFL playoffs. Yeah. Um but just watching the commercials, it's just I I never want, have to watch commercials on TV anymore. It is such a drag, man. Well, you heard me watching commercials on when I was watching the over air television. If you're not used to it, it is the commercials are so horrible. There's like this sort of uh Toxically mediocre form of humor they have in these commercials. It just drives me up the wall, honestly. I can't stand these commercials anyway. All right, no, I have not gone down these escalators yet. Let's go down these escalators. Are they long? Yes. Ooh, they. Ooh, wow, they're like super long. Let me see. <coughs> yeah, this room is like. Or maybe the interior thing was octagonal. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, cool, Madison Concourse, Long Island Railroad. Cool, man. My first time on this escalator. Um, oh, I just found something out at lunch. I was sort of looking at my newsfeed, and uh, I saw that there was a uh, a TV special, a TV movie. What does this say? End- endless noises. Um, in 1997, a TV movie called Justice League of America. It was, the, it was the superhero team from the DC Comics. And I never heard of it before. Listen, I've been having a few of these things. Things that I probably should have heard about, but turns out I didn't. And it makes me wonder, has reality been altered in some way? Or did I just never hear of it? We know what Occam would say about that, but come on. Oh, this is a good way of coming down here. Look at this. Yeah, this is now the concourse, Madison concourse. Um... I probably just never heard of it, but it could be that reality is different than we think it is. And um, I'm going to go back up. (laughs) Right. And that the past is constantly changing and they're adding more pop culture stuff in the past for us here in the present. But I'll admit, I feel like I think we all have this uh, sense of assuredness, assuredness that we... Oh, no, these escalator announcements. Be careful, oh, my God. You literally just have to stand there and wait for it to go up. I'm going to be careful. Be, be, be on guard. Anything could happen on the escalator. Remember, they used to say materials are not permitted on the escalator. What, what, materi- what, like anything that's physical is not allowed on the escalator? What, is this an escalator for ghosts? Get out of here. I know it's for insurance reasons, you know. But at some point, at all of these ridiculous things that happen—the world—it's oh, for insurance reasons. Maybe, in the, maybe insurance is the problem. They're causing people to do all this crazy stuff. That's unnecessary. Well, listen, I'd love to insure your escalator, but uh, you want to play these messages? Give you a few bucks off? Yeah, but yeah, but you know, like, isn't that going to be a little, I don't know, disruptive to the passengers? Yada yada. They have to hear these cockamamie. Ridiculous uh, messages. Well, you want a few bucks off, or don't you? Anyway, so... This, uh... This, and it looked like a very low-budget TV show, this Justice League of America. But what I found interesting about it is that Martian Manhunter, who's a superhero that... Right, he became part of the Justice League. He's, he's this green Martian guy. And uh, he was played by David Ogden Steers, who played uh, Charles Emerson Winchester the, the III on uh, MASH. Remember him? He sort of took over as the, uh, as the bad guy. Not the bad guy, but kind of the annoying guy that was the comedic foil to Hawkeye. And whatever, whoever his sidekick was at the time, Trapper John or B.J. Honeycutt, they would always crack jokes. I'm Charles Emerson Winchester III. I'm from Boston. I'm rich. I remember one line he said, Winchesters do not sweat. They perspire. So, anyway, he played Martian Manhunter. Then he died in, like, 2013. But this was from 97. And the only other actor that I recognized, his name was Miguel Ferrer, who played Albert, the, the medical examiner, in Twin Peaks. Remember remember, that, remember, Twin Peaks? He was also was in the movie. <clears throat> you know, like when uh, David Bowie comes back. A few too many cracks on the noggin. That's, that's what he said. And then uh, he, he would always make fun of the people in the town who he thought were stupid. Like Sheriff Truman said something, and he's like, Next stop, rocket science. <laughs> Miguel Ferrer. I guess he played the weather wizard but I'm pretty sensitive to this, this stuff like what I call peps, uh, past editing paranoia uh, where, you know is it possible that the past is being edited it doesn't sound likely but it happens all the time that I find things that I probably should have heard about and I'm just hearing about it for today for the first time like Rock Odyssey okay I've been, I'm hearing about this for the first time too Yesterday, or the or the day before. Okay, so this all came about because um, you know I was interested in Skatebirds, which is a uh, a TV show from 1977. Which I don't think I really watched it in 77, though I was like nine or ten years old. I would have liked it, but it was this live action show of these people wearing these animal costumes kind of like the Banana Splits or H.R. Puff and stuff that kind of stuff and uh, but it's done by Hanna-Barbera definitely a spiritual successor to Banana Splits and uh, there's three birds there's like a woodpecker a pelican and a penguin but then there's this cat that chases them around called Scat Cat and uh, played by Scatman Cruthers. Crothers and ooh, all right. I wanted to come over here to see if uh, Tennis Week was still here on Forty Fourth Street, but the entire building that Tennis Week was at the base of has been torn down. Amazing! Look at this. <laughs> Tennis Week, holy crap, is completely gone. The building's gone, right? I think I, I think I mentioned last time. There's a store called Tennis Week with the Gil K.O. logo. The font was Gil K.O. And, uh... It was... I think it was named after a magazine. Or maybe the magazine opened the store or something. Like, like maybe in the magazine they advertised the store like a little... What do they call that? Synergy? I don't know. You got a cigar going here. That's a cigarillo, that is. Wow. <laughs> Not only is it gone; it's completely, completely wiped out, completely wiped away. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, I, I so I was I was looking up the Skatebirds and Scatcat, and I found this utterly fa- fabulous cover of this little TV guide insert. You know, the newspapers used to compete with TV Guide, the magazine, by inserting their own weekly TV listing little mini-publication. This is from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And um, it had this beautiful picture of Scat Cat on the cover, sort of in this weird bamboo forest, sort of peering menacingly out at, out at you. And I think he is technically like a villain, that he would chase them around. But the few pieces I saw of Skatebirds, they they, they didn't seem to be that at odds, you know. Like, was he going to kill them or something? Anyway. uh, And then, of course... Uh, Scatman Crothers, who also played Hong Kong Fui, he played Dick Halloran in The Shining, has that very distinctive voice. Um, he, uh... He played, he, he played a character in the movie The Aristocats. In fact, he played a character that was a cat. And his character is named Scat Cat. The exact same name, Scat Cat. Now, next episode, I'm going to be looking at that TV guide. I'm talking more about Scat Cat, which apparently, I never knew this. They're saying, like, down south in the U.S., American South. When you sneeze, instead of saying Gesundheit or God bless you, they go, Scat Cat. Never heard about that. Never heard that in my life. Noticing a pattern here? Yes, but maybe, there, maybe I'm seeing a pattern where there is none. Ooh, the pistachio latte. Pistachio, yum. At Starbucks. Ooh, <laughs> bashing over here. I don't know what that. Oh, oh! It's the uh, they're trying they're trying to fix a revolving door. That's like the the rod in the middle of the revolving door that holds the glass doors. Wow! Could that really be good for it by bashing it with a hammer like that? Maybe. But anyway, so I looked up Scatman Crothers, and you know, I mean Hong Kong Foo, you know that voice. If you know, you know. Could be, you know. Is it the mild mannered janitor? Could be Hong Kong Foo Yeah. He's a cartoon dog who is a Kung Fu expert, but his cat would always like help him out of this various scrapes. Is that the right word? Scrapes? Oh, there's that statue of a fireman over there that's approximately Anunnaki sized. On 43rd. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I, I was looking at his filmography, Scatman Crothers' filmography, and the last thing he was in was a... It said posthumous release, a movie, an animated movie called Rock Odyssey, and he played the jukebox. In fact, uh, I watched the movie, by the way. <laughs> Amazing I could watch it. Uh, the, the, what he says at the beginning, he's like, Hi! I'm a jukebox. That's why today's episode is called I'm a Jukebox. And, uh... Yeah, this movie is bizarre. It's insane. And also that I've never heard of it. I never heard of Rock Odyssey, which is so weird because obscure media, lost media, and especially those more adult-oriented animated feature films... Like, obviously, Fritz the Cat, American Pop, all the Bakshi stuff, right? And uh, um, Rock and Rule, which is another one that I covered rather extensively within the past couple years. Heavy Metal, all around that same time, late 70s, early 80s. Um, This movie fits right into that world, but was incredibly obscure, and this is called, again, It's was finally released in 1987 and barely released, and it's called Rock Odyssey. So, apparently what happened was Hannah, like William Hannah, I guess, of, of Hanna Barbera, they wanted to make a, a more adult-oriented movie in the vein of a heavy metal or something like that. Uh, So they were they were working on it, and they had made a deal apparently with ABC Television Network to be the ABC Sunday Night Movie in 1982. So it was in, it was intended as a Fantasia for rock and roll, right? So Fantasia, the Disney movie, took classical music and was bringing it to the masses, adding the animation to it. Then also Disney made Fantasia 2000, but that's another one that that was. Wow, man. What was up with Fantasia 2000? It's probably worth revisiting Fantasia 2000. You don't hear about it that much. Anyway. So, interesting idea for a movie, right? A Fantasia for the 80s with rock music. Um, So they made the movie. It was almost done. They screened it for some executives who apparently were horrified at this movie because it has, it, first of all, the, the whole movie is, ex- it, it's like a bad acid trip. The whole movie is bizarre, insane, just incoherent. But in a good way, I, I would say it's a good movie. But there's a whole segment. and So it, it, it deals with the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. So it's four decades. And the story is there's this god, like, godlike being named Laura. I guess she's like a goddess. And she's Looking for love, so in each time period she meets this guy, who may or may not be the same person. They couldn't have been reincarnated, or, or could they just be regenerated? It's like in the in the sick in the 50s, he's like a greaser, you know, the leather jacket and the slicked back hair. In the 60s, he's a he's a hippie. In the 70s, he's a like a Greenpeace type guy who's trying to save the whales out on a boat. And then in the 80s, he's kind of a Burt Reynolds look-alike, working in a corporate office. <laughs> it doesn't, again, it doesn't make any sense, but in the 60s scene especially, the guy goes to Vietnam and he comes back with PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, and he's, he's seeing everything turning into guns and grenades. It's really, really heavy. Uh, and there's a bunch more adult oriented stuff the movie is so utterly bizarre it's not even like it's a complete art house film completely insane and deranged but again I liked it but it's not going to fly especially Hanna-Barbera with their reputation as being for kids and stuff so in 1982 around they're like listen project is done. So they shelved it. Finally, five years later in 87, they they brought it back to take a look at it. Now, meanwhile, they negotiated the rights to the music. They played every kind of song. The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, wham! Everything you can imagine. And they cleared the rights for a theatrical release in a movie theater and also for a television broadcast. But they did nothing, got no rights for any home video release. And can you imagine it would be, at this point, somehow... Like, I don't know why, like, could the music industry... I know it's not just one thing, but, like, this is a, a kind of a weird situation. Could they, like, license it? I know it's not one entity, or is it? But they're saying, like, even today, someone was asking if they could release it, and they're like, yeah, it would be too expensive to clear all the rights to the music. So, in 87, the movie was almost done, but I think there was they wanted to include another a more current song, so they got Wham, I guess Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, that song. And so they they couldn't animate anymore. They were completely out of budget, whatever. So they just they had Laura the goddess like get knocked out in the corporate office because she fell down. And then she had dreams, so the, it's a whole segment, the whole song is stock footage of uh, Yogi Bear, the Flintstones, and other characters. There's like these hillbilly bears. I think they were called the hillbilly bears. Uh, so it's, uh, it's so surreal. There's like these this stock footage from old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Um, and, uh, yeah, so then they... I guess it was not deemed appropriate for uh, anything. So they, they showed it at a, an animation an animation festival in Los Angeles in 1987. And uh, apparently it got very pretty bad reviews. People didn't like it. And uh, so they could not release it on home video because of the, men- the reason I mentioned. So I don't think any TV network wanted to sh- see it. And I didn't think it, it didn't seem to be worth going through the rigmarole of releasing it in theaters. So it just kind of died. They made it available for um, overseas production uh, release, so apparently it was shown a few times in Spain in and, and the 90s, and then they said like in 2013 it was shown in the Philippines. So people knew about this. Now, meanwhile, I obsess over exactly this kind of thing, and I've never heard of Rock Odyssey. So this is a big example of a, of a pep, as I was saying. Listen, there's no way of knowing if... Did this this ex- this has this movie always existed, but I just never heard of it? That's the more likely explanation, or is there something funny going on? Anyway, uh, so over the years, uh, there's a, a site called the Lost Media Wiki, and they talk about this whole issue that, like, years ago... There were some copies that surfaced online, but they were all from Spanish television, so it was in Spanish, which is not that big a deal because really the only spoken dialogue is Scatman Crothers as as the jukebox introducing each segment. In fact, that's where the Today Show art comes from. It's uh, from the 1960s segment the, the jukebox grows like long blonde hair briefly at, at behind this uh, stylized cityscape. That's that that's the image I chose, but it's weirdly. Like the jukebox narrator, and then the actual like animation in those segments—it just feels kind of dissonant. But it sort of all adds up into this sort of ultimate mi- weird midnight movie. That's ne- that's only been in the movies once, one time in the entire history of the universe. It was in the movies one time. The people there were probably, ah, oh, this sucks. Not realizing they were they were in the only showing this movie would ever have. So, apparently, at some point in Britain on Sky Television, they did air it in English. And around the same time, this was just, like, I think it was just last year, or within the last couple of years, uh, someone who was in animation, in the animation industry, had a copy of the original, original tape, but it was, a, it was like a many-generation dub. So last august just a few months ago this the best available version even though it's still the the graphic quality is horrible came out and that's what i watched and i mean this movie is insane first of all the character of laura but scatman crothers calls her laura laura not laura laura um she's like this long blonde hair and it's so hard to figure out as a character, like, she has magic power, she's a goddess, but then sometimes she's not using it, and then she's always pursuing this guy across these different eras, and there's all of this surreal action, like, they're at a, they're at, like, a carnival, and these weird, like, monsters pull up in a weird monster mobile and start beating the guy up, like, beating him to a pulp for no reason, (laughs) the hell, and it's always just sort of these weird, nightmarish animation sequences. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. It did remind me, I think, most of Rock and Roll, which was a bit... Which was actually made around the same time, but that came out around 83. That has a more coherent story stuff. It's actually not a bad movie. Uh, but this one, it felt a lot like, you know... Um, Dragon's Lair 2 and Space Ace the two sequels to Dragon's Lair the the animated uh, arcade game that had this sort of frenetic, overly frenetic style I I, I love the original Dragon's Lair but I thought the two sequels had this kind of frantic off-putting editing and action style this movie was very much like that it almost felt like it could have been used as one of those uh, animated arcade games back in the day uh, and the songs they're singing, uh, songs by the Beatles. Help, I need somebody. And yesterday, love was such an easy game to play. So many songs Rolling Stone, Satisfaction, oh my god, everything. Elvis Presley, oh my god, even what's that song, Seals and Crofts? Summer Breeze makes me feel fine going through the jasmine not that's actual lyrics. Jasmine in my mind. Jasmine in a line. I don't know. But anyway, it none of it was by the original songs singers. It was all redone by this like cover band that they hired. It is utterly bizarre. And yeah, the 60s scenes with all of the uh, the Vietnam stuff. Oh my god. And then the 70s was all about this uh this guy on a boat and this lobster is like his first mate. And Lara somehow finds them. And she has this sidekick who's like a seagull. Oh my god, it's insane. And then in the 80s, she, like, gets an apartment in this city and goes to work at this computer company. And then she sort of meets up with this, like, demonic entity and is, like, playing chess with him. And then he sort of, like, absorbs the identity of the, of, of all the men she loved and sort of becomes this synth- synthesized version that she, like... Is she, like, in love with the demon now? Like, it just is so insane. Uh, I, I I mean, and, I, can't, I, I, and I, I made sure to watch the whole thing. It is wild. It's on uh, the Internet Archive. There's a couple different versions on the Internet Archive. This is the one from uh, that tape. So it actually says, put commercial here, things like that. So it's like the original dub of, of, of the project. Wow. <laughs> I mean, this is... There's so much going on in this movie. It's insane. Sort of like that sound we just heard. Anyways. Yeah. Rock Odyssey. Now I know. (laughs) Hey, it's later on now. Heading out a little bit late. A little bit later. Had a little soiree at work. Had some drinks. Some interesting spirits. Spirits. After, I took some pictures of the bottles. I have to talk about it on a future episode. But before the soiree, it happened again. I discovered a piece of media from the past that I probably should have known about, but I had never heard of it before in my life. There's something right up my alley. I, uh, what was I listening to? I was listening to some Klaus Schultz who was a guy that was in Tangerine Dream and then had a big solo career. And I'm like, I, I looked up a list of uh, the top Berlin School albums. And this album came up on one random list. I have to look up my phone. To see, I, don't, I haven't even memorized the name of it. But it was another pep, another past editing paranoia. Okay, this album is by Manuel Gottsching, who was in a band called Ashra Temple, a band that I need to know more about, a krautrock band, Ashra Temple. Apparently, Klaus Schulz was also in Ashra Temple in Germany. This album by Manuel Gottsching is called E2, E4 from 1984. And, uh,. It was considered one of the top Berlin school... You know, Berlin school is a genre of uh, electronic music. It's considered one of the top albums of that genre. I had never heard of it. You know, the the list was dominated by Tangerine, Dream, Klaus Schultz, etc. So, and you know that album I talked about a few weeks ago. What was it? I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, That was the great Berlin school album. Anyway... I start listening to this E2-E4. Unbelievable. And there's an unbelievable story behind it. So this guy, Manuel Gottsching, whatever his name is, right? He has this band, Ashra Temple, that's a huge crowd rock band. So apparently in 1981, he's uh, at his home studio and decides to uh, put together some music. Um, something for him to listen to when he, when he goes away. He was not expecting to produce A masterpiece So he had his synthesizers And he set everything up And he hit record And he starts recording And 58 minutes later He's done So he was using the synthesizers And he did some guitar solos over top And he produced He was stunned He produced something That was Unbelievable He recognized that He He didn't know how it happened But he produced like the perfect album with e2 e4, or I don't know if you'd say it e2 to e2 to e4, it's a chess move. You know, like when you're playing chess and you want to move one of those pawns in front of your king or queen up two spaces. It's one of those chess moves. So I was listening to that, and it was like wild. It's considered a landmark uh, record in, in electronic music. I actually didn't even finish the whole thing. Uh, So amazing, so different. And the fact that I never heard of this before, E2, E4, just following the pattern of these. Supposedly, I'm randomly discovering stuff that's right up my alley from the past that I never heard of before. And I understand. There's a lot of stuff out there. For me to think that I've discovered everything would be rather arrogant but, uh, yeah, that was amazing. So I, I'm going to listen to that some more. It's unlike anything else I've ever heard. And he, and he even... So it took him a few years, and he actually uh, was friends with Klaus Schultz, obviously, because he was in the band with him. And Klaus Schultz had a, uh, a new record label, and they released the record, and it didn't really make much of an impact but on the public, but huge influence um, on the dance music, electronic music scene. Wow. I, I am mean, Right, and I... Literally, when I was talking to you earlier about Rock Odyssey, I hadn't heard of this album in the least at all. And now, another one. So what could be going on here? I mean, it's... When we talk about a world like the one I'm in right now, being constructed for the humans, you could just as easily say it's all... A simulation, a computer-generated simulation, is interesting because uh, this idea that it was all an accident, so this Manuel Gotching creating E2E4 was kind of an accident, but he produced something precious and amazing. And uh, in my failed science fiction novel Severe Repair There was a story About At one point it was the beginning of the novel But this guy, uh, Bertrand Naik And uh, This time traveling girl Keepy Hawk Fossil (laughs) Keepy Hawk Fossil uh, They were In that section I talked about this Computer game That was on kind of an old mainframe system that the game altered itself as people played it and it got to a point where it uh, I think it was called Beautiful Disaster Area. The game sort of accidentally became this incredible thing but then the source code was lost and the computer crashed and so Burchard really wanted to go back in time to retrieve the computer code so he could play this game again something that just happened randomly, accidentally, but it was the greatest thing ever. So, I would connect that with what I was talking about earlier. These mad scientists Anunnaki creating a genetically altered Anunnaki known as humans and putting them in this world, and somehow something happened. It was all sort of accidentally they created something amazing. And I think that was the similar idea. Right? That uh, somehow, some way, even though you're not trying, you could create something of incredible value, almost by accident. And then there would be efforts to preserve it. right? So the idea, I think, is the particular genome that was developed was done for a different purpose to create a race of workers that could achieve tasks but somehow in the process of that creating something that was rich and complex and amazing that should be preserved and that I think led you know, leading to the preservation efforts of this world. Really? With the sirens? Constantly? I know, it used to be like this when I came to New York every day. The endless sirens, endlessly, endlessly. Aquaman, the Lost Kingdom. I saw a trailer for that, it looks awful. Awful. And I've actually been a fan of some of the DC movies, but this one does not look good. He's like the giant seahorse he rides. Really? Aquaman. Remember that show? Entourage. Remember that show? That's such a long time ago, Entourage on HBO. And About this guy who became famous and all of his friends that are sort of latched on to him. Remember that show? How long ago was that? What is it, raining on here? I see rain, but I don't feel it. It's like a mist. But anyway, in Entourage, the guy... One of the storylines was that the, the main guy, Adrian Grenier, or Grenier, that was the actor's name, that he was acting in... a. In a in an Aquaman movie, and this was before there were any Aquaman movies, and that guy, Jason Momoa, became Aquaman. Remember Entourage? When the hell was that? Was that one of the guys' name was like Scooter or something or Beaver? What was that guy's name? The other, like the the one friend? Did that show even make any sense, Entourage? I don't know. It's one of those shows that I haven't really thought about for a while. Entourage. I should probably look it up. I could look it up. I have all world knowledge in my pocket. Like we all do. How cool is that? If you told me back in the 80s that I would have all world knowledge in my pocket, I'd flip my lid. But now, no one cares. I have all world knowledge in my pocket. Ho-hum. Let's see. Let's look this up.
3: Entourage.
0: Yeah, at, at the little party, I was. I, I mentioned the, the Love Boat to a few people. You know, the TV show, the Love Boat that I was really obsessing on this uh, over the weekend. Most of the people I talked to had never heard of the Love Boat because they're too young. They're too young. I'm like, yeah, I was on from like 77 to 86. Listen, these people weren't born yet. They weren't born yet. Okay, they were not born. They had yet to be conceived when the love boat was on. Can you imagine? It's, it, it happens. It's, it's very far in the future. What do you want? What do you want? Entourage. 2004. Hmm. So Entourage started in 2004. I guess that's a long time ago now, yeah. Wait, that's like 20, wait, that's 20 years ago. 2004 to 2011? Holy jeez. Wow. Good one. Wow. No. No. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I've been... Uh, yeah, I was kind of obsessing on the Love Boat. I think it was more Friday night. And... Um, so I saw the Love Boat is on Paramount+, Plus, which I do have. Listen, I have every streaming service... I'm spending way too much money on streaming services. I don't know which one I have, which one I don't have. I don't know the logins. I don't know anything anymore. It's, it's total chaos. Anyway. The Love Boat. It was a show that, I mean, I would watch it when it was on. But now that it's been off for such a long time, it's really kind of fascinating. Because, you know, the reason I got into it is I saw an episode on that live TV when I set up that TV set uh, a few episodes ago. So apparently there were three and we were talking about this on the uh, Exit map as well. There were three pilots for the, uh, the Love Boat and finally then they started with episode one. So the three pilots are not really available online and then there were like four specials after 86. Finally um, the final special was in 1990. I was actually watching that on YouTube. It was like a weird crime drama thing, and one of the guest stars was Rowdy Roddy Piper from the World Wrestling Federation. It was amazing, 1990. But yeah, I was watching. So I saw. I watched the first episode, season one, episode one. And uh, I don't know. There's something about the show that's. It's a little hard to watch for me. I don't know what it is. But like the first episode had uh, Meredith Baxter, Bernie, who eventually was on family tie. She played the mother, right? And when on their exit ramp, Doc Slees. remember seeing a, sh- a show when she was still Meredith Baxter, and the Bernie guy that she wound up marrying was also on the show. But she played a character who was uh, engaged to a congressman. But she had previously posed for naked pictures. So a magazine that in Love Boat was called Kitten, a pornographic magazine, had published her, her, as a centerfold, her picture. And so on the Love Boat, they have a newsstand, and she was trying to remove all the copies so her fiancé wouldn't see that she was naked in the magazine. But uh, Julie, your cruise director played of course by Lauren Twees, went and got all the copies for her, but she's like, three copies have been sold already. So they so then she was going around and trying to find all the copies and but in the end her husband didn't mind that she was naked and yada yada. that was kind of, And uh, Jimmy JJ Walker was in it. He was a huge star back there on the show Good Times. His catchphrase was Don oh my and he played a guy who was uh didn't want to get married, so his girlfriend went on a on the cruise without him. But then he was following he, he was an exterminator, he was following her around in his in his van all down to Mexico and everything. It's a whole thing. I don't know, I gotta watch more Love Boat, but Yeah, and then we were t- some of the people that were a little bit older did know about Love Boat and had something to say about it. But it's funny, you know. There's uh, so many people that they were born years and years and years after the love boat went off the air. Because it's 2024 now. So if it went off the air in 86, it's been, like, nearly 40 years since then. Urgh, I can't I can't understand time anymore. I'm like, was 86 a long time ago? Yeah, it was. Like, the one guy I work with, I'm like, was that long? I'm just sort of joking. Was that a long time ago? He goes, yeah, I wasn't born yet, dude. I wasn't born yet. And I go, okay. You weren't born yet in 1986? Listen, that's part of the. Uh, it's one aspect of this human realm of existence. I don't think, from an Anunnaki's perspective, being 56 years old would be that old. I'd be considered a toddler as an Anunnaki. But as a human, you're getting old. And all these people were born in years that you feel weren't that long ago but they're now adults what the hell I don't know I don't understand I do understand in some level <laughs> this guy just turned around and looked at me he probably thinks I'm talking on the phone and I'm talking to someone and I'm just like I don't understand I don't understand what you're saying I don't know what it is my generation, Generation X. It almost feels like we shouldn't be getting old or that we're so cynical that even if we're getting older that we don't we're not gonna accept it, we're just gonna be all cynical about it. yeah babe, yeah, we're real old. Yeah, yeah. Great, yeah, I'm real old, yeah, yeah. I know it's very cringy. Very cringy indeed. Very cringy indeed. Here's some soldier. Soldiers with machine guns. And pistols walking around. Yes. What's going on here? Yeah. There's the psychedelic piano of the Port Authority bus terminal. No one's playing it, though, at the moment, as you can hear. Whoa. (laughs) The guy in a wheelchair is going up the escalator. Is he okay? Let me see, yeah. It's all right. The wheelchair on the escalator. Yeah, it works. It's all right. There's elevators too, but I guess he wants to take the escalator as a, as a, on a wheelchair. He's holding on both hands on the railings. What is on the back of his shirt there? It's like some sort of weird jack-in-the-box gesture character. Let's see. I can follow him and see the logo on the back of his shirt. I can't see it. It's not the right angle. Anyways, anyways, uh, thanks so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening. We're here on Sog Radio, uh, broadcasting from inside the book. It's an amazing archive of shows just like the one you've just heard. Sort of uh, speaking uh, in a stream-of-consciousness way, off-the-cuff, all different topics... No particular topic, just every topic on earth. As I like to point out sometimes, you know, stand-up comedians are allowed to do that. They don't need a topic. They just get up. You ever you ever, ever want about uh, the f- airplane food, you know? Do they still talk about airplane food comedians? It's just one thing off to the side. What is it? I don't know. But you don't have to be a stand-up comedian to talk about whatever you want. You can also be on, the, uh, on OnSug Radio. Yeah, so just go to OnSug.com. O n s u g dot Onsug is a, it's a word which is uh, it's an acronym essentially for Overnightscape underground. And uh, you go to OnSug.com dot com, and uh, you know the way you can remember that is uh, you know I often tell stories of about my childhood in the nineteen seventies when uh, Saturday morning cartoons were the most important moment of the week. And they had those sugary cereals, like super sugar smacks and all this other stuff. So you would sit around eating these sugary cereals, right, in front of the TV. And you'd get almost like, it's almost like drugs. Like you take, it's like the sugar, you'd be got to have a, a sugar rush, a sugar high as a kid. This sugary cereal, sugar smacks, frosted flakes, okay, everything, honeycombs. So those kids, they weren't on drugs, they were on sugar. So think about On Sugar, O N S U G A R. Just take the A R off, and you have spelled OnSug. That's a way. So, in the future, if you're like, yeah, I remember listening to this guy who was talking about the Love Boat and, and the Anunnaki, and what was the name of his project? I don't remember. Was it Ozone or something? Uh, oh wait, he gave me that. Yeah, the kids that were on. Sh- oh, On Sugar, On Sug. Yes. See, that's how you can rem- remember the name of this channel. So it's <laughs> known as a mnemonic device. MN. Some, some words start with MN. Why? I don't know. Who ca- why not just an N? It's mnemonic. It's N. Mnemonic. Anyways, check it out. Now, your voice can be on this archive. This is an amazing archive. We have over 14,000 hours of content, which is over one year and seven months of solid audio. Right, that if, you, if you started playing the archive it would take a year and seven months and more before you listen to everything in the archive, it's massive, it's unprecedented who else has an archive like this it's all great stuff there's no, again, there's no set topics it's a very stream of consciousness, freeform kind of discussion it's been going for over 20 years almost 24 years over 24 years if you, the starting point was around 1999 and there's a show called Overnight Escape Central. As I mentioned earlier, Dave in Kentucky took the show over. You can be on this show. You go to OnSug.com and you look for the most recent episode of Overnight Escape Central. You can search for it or scroll through. And the deadline for the next episode, this is monthly now, is February 10th, 2024. The next topic is old-time religion, old-time rock and roll and Old Time Radio, and you can choose one, two, or three of those topics and send it in to daveky at mail.com. That's D-A-V-Y-K-Y at D-A-V-E-K-Y at sign M-A-I-L dot com, and your voice will be in this archive. Right? Wasn't that Just take those old records off your shelf I like that old time of rock and roll Right? You can do it please do. Anyways, now as I'm entering the area for my bus, oh, let me get the ticket out of, ooh, should I get more tickets? Do I have any? I have to be careful. I don't want to run out of tickets here, but I have a ticket for you. Hmm. Ah, for crying out loud, I better, I better go get some tickets. This is my last ticket. All right, I got to get more tickets, but I have a ticket for you. You've got a ticket to ride to the other side.
3: A new movie, I Love You to Death. The Comedy Channel's I Love You to Death contest, where we ask the question,
4: What's the craziest thing you do for love?
3: Now you can see for yourself. Mm-hmm. Just tune into The Sweet Life on Thursday, April 19th for a private screening of the best entries, plus your chance to choose the $5,000 winner. Wow. That's Thursday, yeah. April 19th, starting at 7 p.m. only on The Comedy Channel, where love is a many splendid thing.
5: It's Burke Brethed's magnum opus, Happy Trails, The Last Days of Bloom County. Happy Trails to you, till we meet again. A new Bloom County bestseller at bookstores now from Little Brown. This is an important message for U.S. veterans discharged between 1940 and 1989. Whether you served during peacetime or war and are currently age 50 to 69, Call this toll-free number now for free, no-obligation information about a veterans-only term life plan that costs just $1 a week. These veterans' life insurance benefits are guaranteed never to go down, and the dollar-a-week rate is guaranteed never to go up. There is no waiting period, and no medical exam is required for veterans. Call this number now for free information about this dollar-a-week veterans-only life plan. Remember only veterans and their spouses age 50 to 69 qualify for this offer term life insurance for one dollar a week Don't wait call this toll-free number now for free information from veterans life insurance company
1: Uh,
5: uh, uh, uh. This is basic cable The show is night after night Lately, I have feelings of homicidal rage.
3: Night After Night with Alan Havey. Hey, wow. Well, how come the camera is so far away? Alan Havy, coming up next. I think it's a damn good idea. <laughs>
2: Now get ready for a strange Warhol-like trip through the cyber streets of New York City. Now we say Warhol-like because there's this new digital scene that very much resembles Andy Warhol's art factory from the 60s. Only this time, the man getting his 15 minutes of fame is a cyber-savvy New Yorker named Josh Harris. Saturday night in the Big Apple and the hippest place to be seen is here, pseudos headquarters in the heart of New York's Silicon Alley. Every month or so, this 30,000 square foot loft hosts what has quickly become the event on the city's fickle social calendar. Hipsters, geeks, and groupies gather together to enjoy an ever-changing roster of attractions. Tonight, you can play an amplified cactus, check out a dance performance, or maybe jam with the DJ on some other strange device. All courtesy of Josh Harris and staff.
6: Part of our business is to socialize people virtually. And so the art of being able to do it in a physical world, I think translates into, or, or the, it translates into the virtual world. Oh, yeah. And for Harris, the art of the deal is never too far away. Hey, Josh, how you doing? <laughs> Webcam, but mostly com we don't start production on this sucker, if you look at the subscriber base, <laughs> this stuff I have. I Prodigy's offices
2: done. in White Plains, New York, is where Harris hopes the creative ideas hatched in his Soho loft will find a national audience and help spice up Prodigy's bland image.
0: If we're going to
6: close this, we just got to make, we got to keep them pushed. Live in production on Prodigy, right now, we have a piece of chat software, a bulletin board, a forum, a large file library and uh, a website, Pseudo.com.
2: Pseudo is designed on an independent film studio model where content is created and sold to a third party for distribution. But the material you see on Prodigy is just the tip of the iceberg. Back in Soho, the Pseudo creative team is working on material which could inspire the next generation of online entertainment. Under my head. Like this bizarre world which could evolve into a design for a 3D chat
7: room. You turn me on. You make me live.
6: With the only limitation being our imagination and some bandwidth problems, we can make what's in our head. We can, we can have a creative idea and we have a place to put it in a big league fashion. you are embracing Big Brother. We think Big Brother is good. It's better for mankind than, than uh, Fuzzy Brother, which is the television.
4: Come form with me conform with me. We
8: are inventing an entire industry. During the Warhol era, there was something very exciting and very vital going on. There was a transformation and a reinvention of our culture. And I think that same process,
2: that same phenomena, is occurring right now. But art and commerce have always held an uneasy alliance. Even Warhol was accused in some quarters of selling out.
6: When the money starts coming, it's going to go away. We're going to be re- relegated to an art form and dusty museums. And while we're here, we're playing it for all it's worth. It means something to people.
1: Don't channel. Don't change the channel. Don't change the channel.
4: of passion singing a tune of what we can be. Can you imagine no more sadness a train full of love sent from above. The pioneer press is running ring the bell I hear it coming is right on time oh yeah just down the line a ticket for you a ticket for me don't be late now this is our chance our chance to be free see the light now he got his son
9: Universe of love, you have shown me what you are. From the universe, from the universe of love, from the universe, from the universe of love, from the universe, from the universe of love, from the universe, from the universe of love.
6: Love. This is the Telfax 10-second commercial for three days prior to air.
10: Hey, Night Owl. It's coming to you, Chicago, all night, every night, starting at midnight in three days, on Channel 32, Night Owl.
6: This is the Night Owl 10 second commercial for two days prior to air.
10: Hey Night Owl, it's coming to you, Chicago, all night every night, starting at midnight in two days on channel 32, Night Owl.
1: This is the Keyfax Night Owl 10 second commercial, one day prior.
10: Hey, Night Owl. It's coming to you, Chicago, all night, every night, starting at midnight in one day. On Channel 32, Night Owl.
6: This is the Telfax, Keyfax, 10-second spot for tonight.
10: Hey, Night Owl. It's coming to you, Chicago, all night, every night, starting at midnight tonight. On Channel 32, Night Owl.
6: This is the Keyfax Night Owl 30-second commercial, take one.
10: Tonight, starting at midnight, it's Night Owl, an all-new information and entertainment service all night, every night on Channel 32. Featuring up-to-the-minute news from around town and around the world, the latest racing results from all the area tracks, current sports scores of the Chicago teams and how they fared, late business news with market closings and information. Continuously updated weather forecasts with maps and national readings, plus traffic and road information, airport and air traffic reports, what's happening in Chicago, your horoscope, and much more. It's Night Owl, all night, every night on Channel 32. Welcome to Night Owl. Night Owl is your late-night news and entertainment program produced by Keycom Electronic Publishing. Night Owl takes flight at midnight every night to bring you the latest news, sports, business, weather, and leisure.
11: Love is in the air, everywhere I look around, love is in the air.
8: the hard crust of reality begins to soften around the edges and time melts like a dali pocket watch shapes flickering behind the things around me memories of what was projecting through to the possibilities of what may be the present becomes a fulcrum a point of uncertain clarity reality a liquid impossible to hold with the hands of reason But I can swirl ripples through this pond, swim through the waves of experience. I can cup my hands, draw this water up to the lips of my perception, drink deep, emerge and see the ocean around me, gaze upward to the sky, and dream the blue so deep within. I feel the other souls around me. Some are like dolphins, they teach me to swim with vigor and joy. Others flounder, splashing frantically. I feel panic, and the paradoxical compulsion to both help and flee. Sometimes I help, sometimes I flee. and know that I will not drown. I can also feel a fulfillment knowing I have saved some others from drowning just by being as I am. And here is the pearl, the purpose, porpoise in being. My ripples ripples caress the infinite, Infinite. in In circles drifting outward. I am not alone in this ocean. Bridges are easiest built with others, in mutual fulfillment, towards being together joined, riding the waves. I have learned to swim by realizing that I've known how, all along. I just had moments of forgetting. I remember now.
3: GB Productions presents Rush, a massive warehouse party, Saturday 26 October,
9: location, Ashwin Street, London, E8, off the A10, Rush Info Lines, 0831 837 048, or
3: 0860 332
9: 748, except no substitutes, Rush, legal and licensed, calls charge: peak 48 pence, off peak 36 pence.
7: five-string guitar for you now. <laughs> God is playing sax on the stage at the Santa Monica Civic December 1985. <laughs> sitting in on bass and drums. God stands in the audience and watches himself take a drum solo. God thinks he's William S. Burroughs and thinks that Arab boys are God's gift to himself. I make eye contact with God at an opening. And we immigrate to another solar system with Robert Heinlein and Bob Hope.